This is your favorite time of the week with your number one one podcast. Sports Today with Peter J. Michigan blitzes. Duggan dumps it off short. Quentin Johnston has the first down, and off he goes. They are not going to catch him. No flags. The magic continues for TCU. In the final minute, Bennett from the pocket. Launches to the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. A.D. Mitchell. From 50 for the win and a spot in the national championship game. It's on the way. No good. He hooked it. And Georgia is going to survive. It's falls to the end. Intercepted by the aforementioned Collins. You can kiss him goodbye. Touchdown. Pick six. And let the party begin at MetLife Stadium. A standing ovation to the Giants quarterback. His day is done, and he has led the Giants to the playoffs for the first time since 2016. All hail the New York Giants. Giants back in the playoffs, baby. First time you heard Bob Papa say it since 2016. Doesn't matter that they got smoked by Green Bay in that playoff game. We'll let that one go for a bit. Giants back in the playoffs looked impressive last week. I get that Indy's terrible and they've got all sorts of chaos on that team from the coach down or the quote-unquote coach down, but let's be serious. It's okay to refer to the New York Giants as a good football team because I got news for you. They are. And they've got a damn good quarterback running the show the east coast sports today with peter J. thanks for tuning in on podbean live those of you maybe have some friends or family not able to join in this will be posted on podbean at the conclusion of the show as well as google podcast apple podcast and spotify as of last week couldn't have done it without your support so i continuously thank you for that show final week in the nfl regular season gets underway later this afternoon a lot of big games for many teams, seeding, win and in situations, lose, go home situations. A lot of teams need a win plus, a win plus some help. Plus we have everything going on surrounding the non-continuation of the Bills-Bengals game. And that's exactly where I want to start today. First and foremost, we've got great news about second-year safety DeMar Hamlin out of Buffalo. Everybody by now, whether you're a football fan or not, knows what happened. The collapse on the field during uh, last Monday night's game in Buffalo against the Cincinnati Bengals. You see it, you don't know what's going on. It's, it's A player goes down. But you knew when it happened that the way that he went down, he didn't pull a hammy, right? He wasn't necessarily just faint. Something was wrong. And 10 minutes in, they're providing CPR to him, compressions. They get him out of there and take him to the hospital. If those medical folks don't respond as quickly as they did, 
we're having a different conversation. Fast forward a couple days, you get an update. As of this morning, read last, actually came through last night. I read it this morning. DeMar is off his breathing tube. That's huge. Spoken to his team via FaceTime. It's got to be a huge lift, lift for his teammates to see that. At a Giants camp, you got a couple of players that either played in Buffalo with him, like Nick McLeod, the Giants defensive back. Jason Pinnock played college ball at Pittsburgh with Hamlin. And then Brian Dable, the Giants' first-year head coach, was with Hamlin last year as the OC in Buffalo. Everybody had been keeping tabs. Right? The response to this was great. Zach Taylor, the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, upon the the, the postponement at that moment, now it's a uh, cancellation, after that was uh, was called off, immediately went to the hospital. So there's a big impact that this young man had on his teammates in the league itself um, for the way he not only plays football, obviously, a starter in his second year, but the way he carried himself and the scary situation to be an NFL player, anybody that plays football, you see that, you take a step back. Football is a distant second when something like that happens. But these great updates that continue to come in Critical condition, but there was remarkable improvement. Off the breathing tube, able to speak, able to write. There was a report that came out earlier in the week that the first thing that he uh, reportedly had asked was how the game concluded. So neurologically, signs pointing up, which is huge. Going to cardiac arrest like that, numerous things can happen. And you all know what the ultimate bad result would have been there. So to hear this great news is exactly that. It gives a little more people peace of mind. I mean, T. Higgins, the wide receiver who was involved in that play, has felt horrible, a sense of guilt, unwarranted. He didn't do anything wrong. It was a football play. So I'm sure a little bit this gives him a chance to take a step back. There have been uh, meditation sessions offered, counseling services offered, team chaplains getting involved. Um, Out in Dallas, they had their team chaplain, Mike McCarthy, set things up for the Cowboys. Uh, If any of their players felt a sense of shock from this, which would be totally understandable, it's a very violent game. It's a physical game. It's a great game. It's a beloved game. But it gets physical and violent. This is a complete rarity. So you hope... Not too much overreaction comes from this, but for the purposes of DeMar Hamlin, the 24-year-old, to come off that ventilator, writing messages a couple of days after suffering cardiac arrest on a football field and collapsing, the will to persevere is, is more than commendable. It's remarkable. It's a miracle. Truly a miracle. From a football perspective, because yes, that's important too, and that's it's okay to say that for you know uh, paying attention to some other media reports and and listening to how people are approaching. Yes, yes, obviously, from a human perspective, numero uno was Demar Hamlin's well-being. That is a no doubt, no brainer. But there is the aspect of the NFL as a job, as a career, as an economic boost to different cities across the country. 
I mean, there's ripple effects to this. So the NFL came to a decision yesterday. Board of directors, um, owners come together, players union. There's a couple of different things that had been decided uh, as of yesterday, Friday, um, in the wake of the cancellation of Monday night's Bills-Bengals game. Based on Week 18 results, here's what's going to happen. If Buffalo, presently 12-3, and and Kansas City, currently 13-3, or both win or tie this weekend, and we'll talk about the slate of games coming up, a potential Bills-Chiefs championship game is going to be at a neutral site. So if Buffalo and KC win or tie both of them this weekend, a potential Bills-Chiefs championship game, AFC championship game, would be at a neutral site where we don't know. If Buffalo and Kansas City were to lose this weekend and the Ravens win or tie, a Bills-Chiefs championship game would be at a neutral site as well. So you've got a couple things going on there related to one another surrounding, obviously, we're looking at a top seed potential here, right? If Buffalo and Kansas City were to lose this weekend and Cincinnati, who's 11-4, and four, wins, the Bills, Bengals, a Bills or Bengals versus the Chiefs, so now they're adding the Bengals into this championship game, would be at a neutral site. You also have this idea that if the Ravens win Sunday against Cincinnati, by the way, huge game, and they would play an AFC wild card game against the Bengals, the home field for that game is going to be determined by a coin flip. So if the Ravens beat the Bengals Sunday, and based on anything else that happens in the AFC, that impacts playoff standings. Because don't forget, now Buffalo and Kansas City are going to have, when the season concludes Sunday, they're going to have played one less game than every other team in the league. Hence why this is happening. So if the Ravens beat the Bengals Sunday, this Sunday, tomorrow, and they wind up playing them again in the in an AFC wildcard game, one of the two, the site of that game will be determined by an old Texas high school coin flip. I kind of like it. I guess if you're the Bengals, you probably hate it. But they had to do something. More on that in a minute. Now, if Cincinnati wins Sunday, or if either one of these two teams don't play against each other after a potential Ravens win Sunday, then this is all good. You can go regular scheduling as per usual. So they got the overwhelming support from the owners to vote on this, and it did. So that's where we stand. Now, we've had instances where chaos has ensued because of these things, so we wouldn't expect the easy things to come from this. But the big thing to come out of this is the overall improving health of DeMar Hamlin. And what I was saying with that, it's okay to still talk about the football aspect of this because you have to. It's hard to make comparisons to this. You take the step back, the game was canceled, it was postponed in that moment. You've got to do that. For mental health alone, the right thing to do. 
I wouldn't want to be playing football. I saw that happen. I mean, again, I'm a full-time school teacher. One of my colleagues goes down, God forbid, during the day. It's going to be a tough sell going back in that classroom, at least to teach. You go back in a classroom and sit down and make sure the children are okay and maybe have a conversation, but you take a step back. The league, the Bengals, and the Bills took a step back when that happened. You saw them in their circle, their prayer circles, talking together, consoling one another, supporting one another. But you do have the football aspect of this, and the NFL had to address it, and they did. No sense in complaining about it now. I know the Bengals aren't thrilled. My advice to the Bengals, had I been asked, just move on. It's been decided. Win football games. That's what you do. You win football games, everything else takes care of itself, right? Like in anything else. You win, everything's okay. The Bills got to do it. You know, the Bills have been in touch with DeMar Hamlin's father. Who's obviously in a tough spot worrying about his 24-year-old son. Tell the Bills, now it's time to get back to work. On the practice field. Get in the film room. Get ready for your final game of the season. Get ready for the postseason. And he's right. You can't totally dismiss it. We don't have to be standoffish and say, wow, how can we talk about a, uh, how can we talk about a football game at a time like this? Because you have to. Because it does involve money. It does involve jobs. In different situations, the Cincinnati Bills non-continuation, which I don't have a problem with the non-continuing game. Could they probably have figured out a way to play the game? Yes. Is it the end of the world? Of course not. Young man went into cardiac arrest. That was his world as he knew it at that moment, as he still fights. Not finishing a football game is not the end of the world because there are, you have to have plan A, B, C, and D, right? You got to be prepared. For the unknown. So the NFL got together, voted with the owners, 24 out of 32 voted overwhelming majority in favor of what I just told you about the scenarios. Now we have to get back to business as a league. Postseason coming up, huge last week of the season. Every game means something. And for example, Sunday's Giants-Eagles game might not be the biggest game in the world for the Giants. Other than it's it's nice to beat a division rival, and perhaps other than maybe the Cowboys, their biggest rival. But this is a huge game for the Eagles. The Eagles are fighting for the number one seed in the NFC. You get the Titans-Jaguars game. The winner takes the dreadful a- uh, AFC South. Loser goes home. Tennessee's going for their third division title in a row. Jacksonville started the season three and seven. Here they are at eight and eight, fighting for a division title. That's a hell of a story. You got the dumpster fire that is the Jets quarterback situation. Joe Flacco is going to start Sunday in place of Mike White, who looked awful last week in Seattle. We'll get into that in a little bit. There's a lot of things going on. And yes, it is easier to step back into a moment of enjoyment from a game we all love because the young man, DeMar Hamlin, the 24-year-old, is on the road to recovery. It would have really sucked to have to watch football, I agree, that this young man, his condition had gotten worse. I understand that. You know, there's also elements of, you know, again, had conversations with friends like this, and some people seemed a bit standoffish or uncomfortable talking about it. Think about the fantasy football aspect that that Buffalo-Cincinnati game has financially. 
you know, now the CBS is Yahoo's, FanDuel's, DraftKings, uh, all the sports books, the MGMs of the world, ESPN. Got to figure out how to do their payouts. You're in pick em pools. What do you do if you pick Buffalo or Cincinnati? And now you got a U, an unfinished. So those things do matter. And it's okay for them to matter, especially when money's on the line. You know, I was in my fantasy football championship. I was going to lose anyway. I, I was getting smoked going into the Monday night game. My quarterback, Josh Allen, who's a play for the Bills. Running back, Joe Mixon, Bengals. Kicker, Evan McPherson, Bengals. Devin Singletary was my second running back. He's, a, he's on the Bills. I was down about 90 points. I wasn't going to win. I take zero points for that. Now, I chopped the league with the guy I was playing in the final. So instead of getting 700 for finishing second, we took 1,000 each. And we gave the extra money to the commissioner. We figured it out. And I know it's hard to have these conversations about football, about money, about fantasy, when life gets in the way. And obviously, the thing with DeMar Hamlin was number one. But there's still other things that need to be taken care of. The NFL, yes, we watch it as a game, but it's a business. It is a business. It is a money-making entertainment industry. You don't have to like that, but that's true. And after they took the necessary step back, hammered us with updates on the health of DeMar Hamlin, which was good because you weren't always confident in the NFL and their messaging. And how they say they care about certain things, but might not. They just want to look good, right? What does that sound like? Many politicians we have, right? They say those things just to look good, just to look sexy, and then there's no action. NFL did a great job with this, with this young man's life. And I think they did a really good job coming together to quickly figure out what to do in the wake of the cancellation of the, of the Cincinnati Buffalo game with the playoffs breathing down your neck. Because, of course, this would happen with only two weeks left to go in the season. It would have been a headache for the NFL week six, seven, or eight, week two, week 10. But now it's got to happen going into week 18, right? When the you-know-what hits the fan, it's never con at a convenient time. As they say, that's life. As I say, figure it out. Get it done. And they did. Scenarios interesting, so we'll have to pay attention to them this weekend. And before I get into talking about the Jets and the Giants, there was another horrible incident in the NFL, uh, well, surrounding the NFL this week. Those of you who remember Peyton Hillis, the great Arkansas running back, came. he was on the cover of Madden. In his years with the Cleveland Browns, came as a running back with the New York Giants later in his career in critical condition after saving his children from drowning. So that story popped. I saw that yesterday. Unbelievable four-year career at Arkansas. Kids swimming in the ocean, drowning. He runs in, grabs them, and he's had he had some problems because of it. Lung issues, kidney issues. Doctor said said he is improving, but that was something obviously worth noting. Peyton Hillis was a beast in college. I mean, a human bulldozer. And he had some nice run in the league as well. I mean, you get on the cover of Madden, you're doing something right. 
There was a report that came out of uh, uh, social media territory involved with uh, Razorback Nation. Um, Peyton Hills' brother, Greg, that he's doing better. He's still in intensive care and having some problems. This comes directly from Greg Hillis's Twitter. He's having some problems with his kidneys and his lungs, but doctors say he is improving. This was done by him to eliminate any rumors, of course, in the world of social media. You have to be careful what you read and then what comes out of your mouth after you read it. Trying to stop any rumors that may be started from what they heard. He is improving and doing better. I'm sure he would want everyone to know that he appreciates all the prayers being thrown up on his behalf. So you have that in the wake of everything that happened with DeMar Hamlin. But the good news is both men on the road to improvement. Back to the issues at hand. Week 18 in the NFL. A lot of big games going on. And I want to start with the Giants. You ask any sound of mind, rational Giants fan. The beginning of the season, Giants going to make the playoffs? No. You might get a couple of hell no's because of how bad they had been the last couple of seasons. And I'm not talking about the 6-10 and 10 year where they almost backdoored their way into the postseason and, and Giant Nation and, and Joe Judge were trying to blame the Philadelphia Eagles for, for laying an egg the final game of the season to eliminate uh, the Washington football team. Giants haven't been legitimately good since 2016. Legitimately good since 2016 when they made the playoffs and lost to Green Bay at Lambeau. 9-6-1 overall. They're locked into the postseason. 38-10 win last week over Indianapolis. Daniel Jones accounting for four of those touchdowns. Two air, two ground. I mean, the, the, the guy continues to get better every week. You got the regular season finale tomorrow, Philadelphia on the road, 425. That's the CBS game. So it'll be interesting to see who's suiting up for the Giants here, who's going to play and how much run the starters get in the game. Because the game is huge for Philadelphia as it relates to the NFC's number one seed. Giants want to be careful with injuries as they prepare to play next Saturday or Sunday in round one of the NFC playoffs. Bottom line is, number one, Giants are good. They're a good football team, and they're not doing it with an overwhelming number of recognizable talent. Dexter Lawrence is becoming a household name on the defensive line. Everybody knows Leonard Williams. Odori Jackson, when healthy, is a Pro Bowl caliber player. Xavier McKinney back in that secondary. Julian Love continues to impress. Still not getting enough respect back in that secondary. Are there areas that need to be cleaned up? Yes, specifically at the linebacker position. Jalen Smith has played nice football. But the support there, you know, Micah McFadden doesn't really excite you. Moving him around that linebacking core. I get all those things. O'Shane Zemenez has been better since Dable and Wink have been here in year one. Aziz Ojolari, got to stay healthy. Probably the most frustrating player on the defense. Because when he's there, he's impactful. And he gives Kayvon Thibodeau, the electrifying rookie, a nice compliment coming off the edge. The problem is, it seems like every other week, the guy's freaking hurt. And that hinders what you want to do from a physicality and aggressive standpoint on a defense, which, oh, by the way, is Wink Martindale's calling card. Giants will clean these things up going into the offseason. Well, yeah, they have a little more cash 
for free agency and what have you. Offensively, you know. Kenny Galladay has been a huge zero. Waste. I, I love the, uh, if anybody has paid attention to some of the tiers that can be hit this week, Justin Jefferson can set the uh, the receiving record. Um, Justin Fields, the quarterback for the Cincinnati uh, Chicago Bears, can set the, the QB rushing record in a season. And there's a Patrick Mahomes uh, has got records on the line. Tom Brady, uh, uh, completion percentage, a number of completions. It's amazing. Brady, 46 years old, he thrown for 4,600 yards quietly. 24 touchdowns, nine interceptions. That's amazing. I mean, the touchdown numbers aren't popping off the screen because Tampa Bay's offense has had some problems. But again, they're going back to the postseason. He led them there, a 46-year-old throwing for 4,600 yards. Well, his life has been more in the public eye probably than ever this year due to the divorce that he went through with Giselle. So he continues to amaze. But if you see, if you get a chance to pull up some of the potential records that could be broken this weekend, or some of the numbers and tiers or accolades guys need to achieve to gather X amount of money, there's a pretty funny one. To cash in on a $750,000 bonus, Kenny Galladay only needs 76 catches this weekend. (laughs) To me, that's hilarious that they put that out there. That's how terrible this guy has been. He should get 76 catches a year in his sleep, and he can't even get on the field on a team that has struggled to get productivity from their receivers. That's why I commend guys like Isaiah Hodges and Richie James made the best of their opportunity, stay on the field, and you find out that these guys are pretty freaking good. Richie James is a good football player. He's not an afterthought. He's been Daniel Jones' safety blanket on third down. And when they go for it, which I like with when, when Dable sticks out his chest and goes for it on fourth down, they're targeting Richie James. Isaiah Hodgins looks looks like a player. Stephon Diggs, who played with him last year in Buffalo, has raved about him. So maybe Brian Dable really does know what he's doing, bringing Mike Kafka and letting him control the offense here and pushing these buttons together. Darius Slayton, he's get the dropsies. Richie James seems to solve that problem. But Slayton's had a nice year. you got a good young tight end in Daniel Bellinger. But these haven't been household names that the Giants have been doing this with, which makes it all the more impressive that they were a win away from double-digit wins. What else should that tell you? Yeah. Maybe a lot of us owe number eight an apology. You know, I'll be the first one to say, just because I never completely hammered Daniel Jones doesn't mean that I was on board with him as the future. I was wrong. This kid can play. The only thing that was scaring the crap out of me last week, I love Jones's fire, his leadership, his toughness and tenacity. He's not a linebacker. Sometimes I think he thinks he's a linebacker when he lays his body into oncoming defenders to get extra yards. I love the energy. But please stop. Because if he gets hurt, the whole juju of this offense takes a monster hit. And he did it a couple times again last week against Indianapolis. That make you cringe. Took an uh, an unnecessary shot going out of bounds. Now, he's fine. He's a big dude. But, man, 
you want to be careful there. So I'll pose this question as I've done in the past to the listeners, and I've put it on Twitter. Has Daniel Jones earned a contract with the Giants? In my opinion, yes. So if you'd like to chime in through the Podbean app, you can do so. Just click the button, and you're on the air. It's that simple. A potential contract for Daniel Jones could look like this. Last year, the Giants didn't exercise his fifth-year option. Looking back, yes, they're probably regretting that. Because that would have been worth about $23.5 million. Per year, according to SpotTrack right now, which is a lifeline for the figures like this, Jones's current market value, I mean, this is, this is about a, I pulled these stats probably a, before the Colts game. So $25.5 million, his current market value. Bump that, let's say $27 million a year. I would say it is market value is probably right around there, between 25 and 27 million bucks a year. I think you'd sign on for that now. The problem is, that's not gonna that's it's not gonna be a good settling point. That transitional tag is about 28 mil. If the Giants refuse to match the offer from the other team, there's not gonna be any compensation with the transitional tag. If you wanted to go the route of a non-exclusive franchise tag, meaning if the Giants refuse to match an offer from another team, they get two first-round picks, which still wouldn't happen. That's a lot. That's worth about 31 and a half, 32, maybe even $33 million. And the exclusive franchise tag, which if it's available after April 21st, this isn't going to happen, meaning the, the quarterback can only negotiate with the present team if he gets the exclusive franchise tag. That's north of $44 million. So that's out. That's just not going to happen. I don't know that Lamar Jackson would get that money. Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, sure. But $45 million is going to be a tough sell. And the Giants have said, they've come out and said that they're going to offer Jones and Saquon Barkley contracts in the offseason. What they're going to look like remains to be seen. But I think somewhere in that four to five year range, maybe for Jones, if you want to lock him up, you're probably looking at 30 million bucks a year. You know, I I can see both ends of the spectrum for not giving Jones that fifth year option a year ago. Wasn't working with much. Didn't look particularly good. Had the fumbleitis. Wasn't particularly accurate. And part of that, but the problem was that he was he had a, an atrocious offensive line. The Giants' offensive line has been much better. Looks like we have cornerstones at the at, at the tackle positions now with Evan Neal at the right tackle and Andrew Thomas, who's amongst the best left tackles in football. So the offensive line is greatly improved. You've got weapons now that actually want to succeed, guys that don't piss and moan when they don't get opportunities. You weren't really getting a fair look at Daniel Jones to see what he could do the last couple of years because he had nothing. And he, every mistake that he would make was magnified. Oh, it's Jones's fault. And I fell for it more than once. I'll admit it. That's why they call us sports fans, right? Fanatics. But I think we're at the point now where if, if if you're around someone who claims to be a Giant fan 
and you're still nitpicking to see what this kid is is not doing or should be doing, you're just not paying attention. Giants don't make the playoffs without Daniel Jones. Without the return to greatness of Saquon Barkley. And quite honestly, without a sideline full of coaches who have their heads out of their butts. This is as much about a good running back and a good quarterback as it is about good coaching. And Dable, Kafka, and Wink Martindale, with the blessing of the GM Joe Shane, have been able to quickly implement a system that works on the football field. Because I've made that comparison before. The difference with high school and college against the NFL, it's a business. Said it earlier in the show as it related to everything that uh, transpired with the Cincinnati Buffalo game. It's a business. But it doesn't mean that you might hear more prominent stories from high school and college about how much the coach loves the kids. And that's how it should be. They're student athletes. You might not always hear that in the tough, gritty, tough men's sport of football. But it's blatantly obvious and it's very open. They've spoken to the fact of it that this team respects Dable, Kafka, Wink, and Shane because they treat them like human beings, not objects. Yes, guys in the NFL care about that, even though they make eight, nine, ten figure salaries. Yes, they care about that. Yes, they are human beings. Giants, quite honestly and quite obviously, did not have that with Joe Judge. Who thought he was the second coming of a combination of Newt Rockney and Vince Lombardi. That crap doesn't work. Quite honestly, right now, the only reason Joe Judge probably has a job is because Bill Belichick exists in the league. The guy was such a clown and an oaf. When you show that you care about someone or care about people, good things generally happen. And that's been amongst the biggest reasons for the success of the New York Giants. Can't state it enough. They keep playing the way they're playing. Going to have a chance to make some noise in the NFC in the postseason. I truly believe that. They play together. They don't reinvent the wheel. Aggressive defense. Run the football. Protect the football. They've done that. And they get one final crack this weekend and tune everything up. 4.25 Eastern time tomorrow. It's the CBS game in the afternoon in Philadelphia. Final regular season game uh, for Big Blue and Philly, who's going for the top seed. Let's go across the tunnel in East Rutherford and talk about the Jets. Because I'm not in the business of hammering local teams because I am a believer as a lifelong New Yorker. When the teams in your city are successful, it's better for the city. You don't have to be a Met fan, a Yankee fan, a Ranger fan, an Islander fan. Or root against those teams. To realize that it's beneficial for a city. And through most of the NFL season, Giants and the Jets were in the playoff picture. And man, was this a crash and burn job by the Jets. Seven and nine, heading into the final week of the season. Eliminated last week with the, with the loss on the road to Seattle, who continues to fight for its playoff lives. That's five straight L's for the Jets. 
You had the three on the road, Vikings, Bills, and last week. And then two at home. The Detroit game, they blew. That was solace clock management. We talked high and low about that on this program. And then the lazy effort against the Jaguars. And you, you watched the game last week. You know, Mike White looked pretty bad. So bad that he's not going to play Sunday. In Seattle, they're going to turn the keys to the car over to the savvy veteran again, Joe Flacco. Uh, more on that in a moment. We've got a caller on the line. Let's bring him in. All right, who do we have here on the line with us this morning? Hey, Peter, how you doing, man? It's Joe Jett from Staten Island. How's everything going? Joe Jett, listen, man, where the hell you been? I've been waiting for you the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, the holidays, everything. You know what? I've been in hiding, Peter. How does that sound? <laughs> wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. You've been a, you've been a Jet fan your whole life. You've been in hiding your whole life. Absolutely. You got that <laughs> right, man. Listen, when we talked, and perfect timing on this, because I, I know you and I have said, we, you know, I think very highly of Joe Flacco, but behind this offensive line, the fact that the guy's a statue, it's problematic. Now, I know going into week 18, the Jets are eliminated. Uh, certainly, probably not the end of the world here, but go back a couple of weeks when we talked about the Chicago game um, that you were at, how Jet fans' emotions you know, running high, everything was positive. Um, fast forward a little bit then to that Detroit game, which was blown by lousy clock management, lousy quarterback play. What has the vibe been at, been at MetLife Stadium the last couple of weeks now that all of this has, has taken a turn to negative town, Joe? The stadium is dead. This team, but you know what? You know what I want to get into, Peter, before we get into anything further? I want to talk about this head sure. coach. Okay, I want yeah. to talk about somebody's got to be accountable and yeah. responsible for this five-game skid. And yes. you know who it is? It's Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur. Okay? Everything Rob, wait a minute. Everything that Robert Sala has said to Jet fans has been a lie. Let's go back to the offseason. All gas, no breaks. Yeah. Uh, we have to defend the home field. They went three and five this year at home. He still has three timeouts left in the Detroit game, I think. <laughs> that was amazing I mean, to me. That was amazing. Weekend, I don't know. But, I mean, this guy is either in over his head or he's confused or I, I don't really – I'm speechless as a Jet fan what happened here to be on this five-game skid and miss the playoffs. It's disgusting. Well, how much of the onus there and, – and I don't disagree with you. Uh, it's Now, you're year two with Salah, but this hasn't been a two-year problem at the quarterback position for the Jets. So why can't they – why can't this franchise – Figure that out. Now, Salas says he's sticking by Wilson. That's all well and good. I don't buy it, but that's what he's selling. Why haven't the Jets been able to figure this out? And, Joe, you know this team inside out as long as I've known you. You know more about the Jets. You know, I, you've forgotten things about the Jets that I've never known. Absolutely. Why can't they figure this out? Uh, you know what? I'm starting to believe, you know, Woody Johnson, from what my sources, so to speak, have told me, is not a Robert Sala fan. He believes in Zach Wilson, and the rumblings are that he would rather see, eventually they're going to see this, they're going to stick with Zach Wilson. And if they don't develop this kid by next season, and he doesn't, let me tell you, Robert Sala's going to find himself with another job as a coordinator somewhere else. You think he's on a hot seat right now? Uh, 
Yes, I would have to say yes. This is this is an astronomical collapse yeah. by the New York Jets. This was terrible. You know, you want to lose the Minnesota Buffalo game on the road? Fine. They lose to Detroit at home and that debacle on Thursday night yeah. in front of a national audience to kick a field goal. That's all they got from the Jacksonville mm-hmm. Jaguars in a rainstorm at MetLife. Oh, by the way, I think I still have pneumonia from it. <laughs> okay? <laughs> you know, Just to throw that out there. For the and Detroit game. In Seattle, a no-show. Yeah. They didn't get off the plane last week in Seattle. And I think, you know, if you – you reflect on that Detroit game for a minute. I'm I've been buying into Detroit. That would have been a, a nice win for the Jets had they been able to hold on with the way the Lions have been playing. But last week in Seattle, and, and let's talk a minute about that on the road. Not an easy place to play in big games. Very few teams have figured out the recipe um, to beat Seattle at home in crunch time. So I'm not going to hammer them for that. I will for the effort. Because if you take a look at the quarterback situation and the rhetoric that was given to us uh, as sports fans, specifically you as a Jet fan, if Mike White plays well in Seattle and then tomorrow in Miami and then somehow gets the Jets to the playoffs and succeeds, you'd you'd really have a a tough job not convincing Jet Nation that he didn't have first dibs at the QB1 spot. But now we circle back, not six days later, where Mike White looked awful in Seattle. And here we are again. Jets aren't going to Wilson. Mike allegedly is not going to play. And it's the Joe Flacco show um, against the Miami team that needs the game riding their own five-game losing streak. I mean, the tor- the storylines here are depressing, Joe, but they're, they're, they're almost so good you can't look – it's such a bad car crash you can't look away. That's correct. And, you know, but before we start saying great things about Seattle, let's remember, if I'm not mistaken, they were on a three-game losing streak as well. So yeah. it wasn't like they were playing, you know, great football. And for the Jets, not the first play from scrimmage, a 60-yard run down the field. You know, I'm watching Oklahoma versus the Citadel here. I mean, the, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I said, I said, you know right away as a Jet fan that this team was in trouble. Yes. And how about this, Peter? I don't know if you're aware of this or not. In this five-game losing streak, do you know how many touchdowns the New York Jets have scored? I don't. I, my guess would be that it's less than four. It is four. Okay. That is disgusting. Yes. When you watch every NFL game, it's 34-30, 27-24. And Even the Giants scored 38 points and, last week. Yeah, well, that's why <laughs> I brought that number up. Exactly. Don't think don't think that this doesn't bother Jet fans. Now that you guys get a great coach. Oh, by the way, here are the Giants. And the Jets get all the publicity, all the back of the papers. Now the Giants got a real head coach. Your quarterback is developing very nicely. You're going to the playoffs. And oh, by the way, the Jets collapsed once again. History well, repeating itself. But I will say this. The New York Jets. For for the purposes of Joe Douglas, who I, I listen, maybe this is Jets. This is just an ongoing saga with the Jets organization not being able to figure out the QB position. Because in that regard, Douglas isn't in a league of his own. But they highlighted Salah as the guy they wanted a year ago, and they went out and got him. Now maybe it doesn't work out, and so far it's not. But you did have a GM in the instance that said to the fan base, "This is the guy I want. We're going to go get him," and they did. So is there a mindset from, from the Jet fan base that, that you are involved with or you talk to 
or you know uh, th- th- what the Jets do on NY Jets and, and their uh, gangrene nation. They do such a good job with their different blogs. Is there maybe a population of Jet Nation that is now souring on Douglas, or are we still a believer in him? I'm still a believer in the GM, quite honestly. You know what I mean? I, I'm still, he had a great draft last year. I'm a believer. Correct. I'm very down on Salah. But putting, let's just, you know what, forget that. Let's go forward. Let's, what is this team going to do in the offseason? There is no doubt they are bringing in a veteran quarterback. Well, no you're going to see the names. It, uh, you know, I don't see how, and I know Jimmy Garoppolo went back to San Francisco, but I don't see how Derek Carr ever goes back to Vegas. No. Aaron Rodgers may very well be available, and Jimmy G. I think those are the three names that will be most closely associated with the Jets, regardless of what they do with Zach Wilson. But I think most would be in agreement with you. If you follow the NFL, you know you can't screw around in the draft and 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 be taken seriously at the quarterback position after the last twenty years of having a zero no. at quarterback. You need I a veteran am, in there. I am done with this drafting of the the, the cycling of quarterbacks. Forget it. Go out. Get a veteran. Am I crazy about Derek Carr? Not really. But you know what? It's a total upgrade. Don't remember, Lamar Jackson also might be on the market also. You didn't mention yeah. him. Well, okay, so I just can't there. see Baltimore not paying him. I know. But crazier things have happened, Peter. We've yeah. all been around this sport a long time. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, listen, we're just speculating right now. But whoever they bring in, I'm going to have to be, you know what? It's it's going to be an upgrade. This offense needs to score points finally with Flacco playing tomorrow yeah Jet fans are looking at what in this game Jet fans don't care about this game okay our season was done like a few of my friends by the way are down there right now going to the football game I didn't buy into this to go (laughs) getting tickets three weeks ago because I've been around longer than all of them about the disaster that happens with this franchise. So I didn't get involved in the plane tickets and the hotels. I said, no way. You could have gone down there and golfed. Yeah, that I could have done, Peter. That I could have done. But you know what? The Jet fans could care less about this game. I'm actually, I don't want to say I'm rooting for Miami because I can't because I hate them too. But, uh, you know, it's a meaningless game. Whatever happens, happens. It doesn't matter. And uh, Joe, again, I I appreciate you chiming in. These these are great segments that uh, I I and the listeners really look forward to. And it's and it's helped by the way get the platform onto Spotify, uh, uh, Google, and, and Apple. So again, to to Joe and everybody else, I greatly get this thing off the ground. It's been great. Um, but as you look toward, you know, maybe you, you want to take an eye on uh, Elijah Moore, um, see how he looks this week going into the off season. But is there any future? You, let me ask you this in two parts. Zach Wilson, future, yes. Mike Wilson, future with the Jets, yes or no? You mean Mike White? Mike White, I'm sorry, Mike White. Uh, Yeah, I have no problem signing Mike White. I think he's a very serviceable backup. The Zach Wilson saga is very interesting. Like I tell Do you early, believe what Salah says with this? I don't believe. That, but through hella high water, he's sticking by Zach Wilson? Peter, I don't believe a word that comes out of that man's mouth. How does that okay. sound? I, I'm just being dead honest. I, could, I I agree with you. Yes, they could deal Zach. Somebody could offer them a fourth-round pick, and they could let him go, or maybe they're going to keep him. But all I know is if you're going to keep him, you, you, you're still going to have Salah and LaFleur. It hasn't worked in two seasons. Now all of a sudden it's going to be, you know, let's change the world. No, they're going to bring in the veteran. 
Mm-hmm. It will make the coach and probably the coordinator look better. So let's go. Let's do it then. That, that This is the route we're going to go. I'm all for it. I agree. Hey, listen, I need you to do me a favor yeah. for, 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 the, for the future segments. Yeah. On the, on the app, put your name in the profile. <laughs> so I know that. So I know my uncle does this too. It, Podbean is a great platform, folks. When you sign up for the app, it just designates you with a mumbo jumbo name. <laughs> so just oh, okay. put. Yeah, I probably didn't know how to do it. That's why I probably <laughs> didn't do it, obviously. But that's my own, you know, my own ignorance when it comes to this computer stuff. I got but you, anyway, brother. But anyway, listen, Peter, before we go, man, congratulations yeah. with the show. Doing a great job. Let's hope this really takes off. I got a couple of guys listening. So let's go with it. Excellent. Thank you, brother. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you next week, bud. You got it, man. Be good, Peter. All right. That's my buddy, Joe Jet. Listen, not, not, I, I, I don't want to sell this as, yeah, just a, just a Jet fan. No, I mean, ins and outs. Involved, events. Guy knows what he's talking about. All right? And, and you get good insight from someone who is around this team, is around the fan base. That's what you care about the most, right? You, you listen to all different sports talk programs, and it's great. And you hear from the coach, and you hear from the players. That's why when I was on the call platform, it was great. You know, Mike Pereira, who I hope to have back on, hopefully in a couple of weeks. Or my buddy Mike Quick, who I adore, who can break down high school and college sports better than anybody I've ever met. Get the fan perspectives on these things. And not just, you know, somebody who's going to rant and rave and, and hate this guy and hate that guy, fire this guy, fire that guy. Get legitimate insight from people who not just go to these games, but are involved. You know, I think everybody runs to getting, you know, just what, you know, coach speak. No, let's hear how the fan base feels. Let's see what makes the fan base tick. Right? That's why so much of social media is so useful. When you get thoughtful, coherent information from people who, yeah, pay a lot of money to go to these games, be around these games. And then you get call-ins like that, right? I think most Jet fans would agree with a lot of what Joe said. You know, Rob Sala's speaking and everything that he said might work for a little bit. Then you lose five games in a row. One you blew for clock management, the Lions game. The other you laid a complete lazy egg, the Thursday night game at home against Jacksonville. And then you know show on the road last week in Seattle to basically to eliminate yourself from any thought of going to the postseason. Yeah, the fan base is going to be frustrated. Really haven't, and I know Mark Sanchez got the, the two AFC title games, really haven't had a legitimate quarterback of trustworthy nature since Pennington. That's a long time. And I still don't think in the annals of, of Jet football, Pennington gets enough respect. The diehards are loyal to Pennington. But this has been a problem, a puzzle that has the missing piece for years, for decades, that they have not been able to figure out. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's Woody Johnson. You know, Sam Donald's playing better football. Geno Smith's playing better football. He got his crack. I know he hadn't been great the last couple of weeks. Looked pretty good last week when they needed him to be. But I'm in agreement with Joe and all of the Jet fan base. You want to draft a quarterback next season, that's fine. But there's no way that that guy's under center week one. You've got to get a veteran here and correct this. 
you know, the far thing worked out until he got hurt. Do something like that again. If it's Rodgers or Garoppolo, Derek Carr. The ultimate prize would be Lamar Jackson. I've read the articles. I've read the reports. It would be asinine to me for Baltimore not to lock him up. I don't know what the hell that franchise is thinking. I know he gets banged up, but tell me who's better. That's available. Not going through that draft as a young MVP caliber quarterback right now. Who can do it with his arm and his legs? There isn't one available anyway. It's not a Burrow. It's not a Allen. Patty Mahomes, Daniel Jones, you want to put him in there now. I'm fine with that. Go get one of the free agent veterans. Derek Carr wins games with the Jets next year. Monster improvement? No. But would it get the fan base excited? I think so. I think so. I think he's hindered by the fact that this year that he's just got a clown in in Josh McDaniels. Most of these coaches, by the way, that come out of this Patriots tree have such an arrogance to them, it makes you despise New England even more. If it's Matt Patricia, who didn't know his elbow from his ass when he was the head coach in Detroit, and then he went back with his head between his legs, and Belichick actually let him call plays in New England. Joe Judge, back to New England. Captain Arrogant. McDaniels, scoring the Colts a couple years ago to go back to Belichick. Now he takes the Vegas job and starts out 0-4, and he's got the audacity to bench a quarterback who's put up pretty damn good numbers on a team that can't get out of its own way. You know, I wouldn't advocate, you still have a responsibility to your job, to your team, to your franchise, that I, I would never really advocate for somebody just disappearing, but it's hard for me really to blame Derek Carr for just completely walking away from that. You bench your quarterback and you nail him in the press before you've been eliminated from postseason contention. I wouldn't want to play for Josh McDaniels either. My number one free agent target next year for the New York Jets, my number one quarterback target in a field that includes Rodgers and Garoppolo is Derek Carr. Go get him. All right. Obviously, every week in the NFL is a big week. It goes without saying. Final week of the season. And we've got big-time games all weekend. I mean, this is really what you look forward to. Even if your team, let's say you're a Jet fan, eliminated, fine. Now you can sit back and watch, hopefully, chaos ensue. We know what is going on now due to this cancellation. Complete, outright, it will not be completed, Bengals-Bills game. If Buffalo and Kansas City both win or tie, a potential Bills-Chiefs championship game in the AFC is going to be at a site to be determined. If the Bills and KC lose and Baltimore wins a tie, same deal. Bills-Chiefs AFC title game, neutral site. Ravens win Sunday over the Bengals and somehow meet them in the AFC. If in one of the AFC wildcard games, the location of that game is going to be determined via coin flip, which is awesome. Old school Friday Night Lights type stuff there, folks. If you ever saw that movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So there's a lot going on, especially from the perspective of the fact that when the regular season ends, the Bengals and the Bills will have played two less games. So let's get after it. Kansas City goes to Vegas this weekend. Stidham under center for Vegas. No Derek Carr. Translation Jets. Go get them. Give me the Chiefs. 
lot on the line here for Kansas City. I like the Chiefs to get this done. Patty Mahomes is playing MVP-level football once again. I see no reason why they can't go get this done against a Vegas team that just doesn't do it for me. Kansas City locks up numero uno in the AFC anyway with a win. Or if the Bills would lose to the Patriots. More on that in a minute. I like Kansas City. They win. There's your number one seed. Tennessee goes to Jacksonville. That's your Saturday night game. This is huge. And what a remarkable story. And, and we talk about how good coaching makes a difference as it relates to the New York Giants going from Joe Judge to Brian Dable. How about going from clown Urban Meyer to Super Bowl champion Doug Peterson? It took a while with Jacksonville starting 3-7, and seven, but give me a quarterback in the league, and I'm going to throw Jared Goff into this uh, conversation as well. Other than a Burrow, Mahomes, Allen, and Daniel Jones lately that's been playing better football than Trevor Lawrence. I like Jacksonville at home tomorrow. The winner gets the AFC South and goes to the postseason. The loser goes home. Tennessee going for their third straight title. I don't see it happening. Give me Jacksonville confidently at home against Tennessee. Baltimore to Cincinnati. I like Cincinnati here. Meaningful game. I get it. The Bengals locked up the AFC North. And they could be the two of the three seed. Need some help. Bottom line is, I like them to take down Baltimore. You know, Huntley holding his own there in Baltimore, not lighting up the world from a passing perspective. You expect those things to happen. But I like Cincinnati here. Nobody's a bigger Joe Burrow fan than I am. They're home, coming off the emotions of last week. Give me the Bengals. Carolina, Sam Donald, actually. Ironically enough, I should ask Joe about this. If it annoys him that Sam Donald is actually playing decent football. It's not going to be enough this week in, in, in a basically a meaningless game uh, against New Orleans in the Dome. Give me the Saints. Will I be watching? No. Will I parlay that game? No. Stay away from that game if you're a DraftKings or a fan dealer. Just stay away from it unless the line be becomes so appetizing. It's like a perfectly cooked steak. Stay away. Cleveland goes to Pittsburgh. Intriguing here. Here's what is intriguing if you're a Steelers fan, and oh, by the way, they're home. Steelers get the number one seed in the wild card if this happens. First and foremost, they got to beat the Browns, who are a pain in the butt. But if they get the win over the Browns, they also need the Jets to beat the Dolphins and the Patriots to lose to the Bills. Now, is that out of the question? No. Can the Jets win tomorrow? Yeah. Two is not playing. Richwater may not play. So Skylar Thompson's going to get to start under center. The old Kansas State quarterback from Miami. I don't expect that he's going to be setting the world on fire either. I know the Jets have been awful, but Miami's lost five in a row as well. And also, there was a ridiculous report that said if Miami doesn't make the playoffs, they could fire Mike McDaniel. That would be the most Miami Dolphin thing ever to happen. On a franchise that... Everybody thinks the Jets franchise is so bad from an ownership standpoint, a leadership standpoint. And it is, outside of Joe Douglas, who I like. You can't tell me that you're putting this on Mike McDaniel 
if the Dolphins crash and burn without a starting quarterback through a tug of Iloa, who quite honestly may never play football again because of all the, the concussion problems he's had. I don't know that. I'm speculating. I'm making a, a, a statement, an opinion. I can't see that happen. Now, I like Pittsburgh to win at home against Cleveland, and then we'll see what else happens. More on those contests momentarily. Houston is an indie. Give me Houston. It's a garbage game. Uh, Jeff Saturday, I, I know he was doing him a favor. They threw him a lifeline there. It, this has got to stop in Indianapolis. They, they've got to get this figured out in the offseason. Houston goes there and beats them. It's a who cares game. Minnesota goes to Chicago on the road. You know, it's an interesting one because of the way Justin Fields has been playing lately um, for Chicago. The game doesn't have much meaning now after Minnesota got trounced in Green Bay last week. Right, you got the, the three teams who can now win the top seed in the NFC exist are the Eagles, the 49ers, and the Cowboys. All right, so there's a lot going on here. Minnesota goes to Chicago. Justin Fields is a couple yards away from the, 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 the QB rushing record, single season record. I, I think it's 68 he's got to eclipse. So that'll be worth watching. Other than that, meaningless game. You're Minnesota. You want to stay healthy heading into the postseason. Patriots go to Buffalo. And you know, you don't have to, to sell how much the emotions are going to be running high here. Um, home field advantage, a first round bye with a win and a Chiefs loss for Buffalo. Pats need the game. Patriots are in with a win. Now, if they lose, they're still not out of it for the number seven seed. Here's how. New England needs the game. If they win, they're in. But if they lose... Miami and the Steelers also have to lose. In addition to that, New England would need Jacksonville to beat Tennessee. So the Patriots are going to have, they're going to be doing a lot of TV watching if they lose. They'll be doing that anyway. Problem solved if you win to get to 9-8. and eight. I don't think it happens. Give me Buffalo at home. Jets go to Miami. I like them. Two teams with horrible quarterback situations right now. The Jets is better. At least you got the veteran in Flacco. If they could somehow keep him upright, because you know he can't get on a move at 37 years old. Guy's been a statue for most of his career. Now he's just a 37-year-old statue. I like the Jets. Go into the offseason with a little bit of emotion, a little bit of pep in your step. Secure the offensive line via free agency in the draft. And for Christ's sake, sign Derek Carr. Enough. Tampa's locked up. They, they won the division. They're going to the playoffs. I'll take Atlanta here. I don't, you won't, you shouldn't see much of Brady. Um, completion record on the line. He's got some pay tiers he can hit. How much of these guys are you going to see? I'll take the Falcons at home. Arizona goes to San Fran. It's a big game for San Francisco because they're still in the running for the number one seed. 49ers get the number one seed with a win and an Eagles loss to the Giants. So San Francisco still got some things on the line here as it pertains to the number one seed, which, by the way, in a seven-team AFC, seven teams, NFC, seven teams, the number one seed gets you a bye and home field throughout. So that's a big deal. Dallas goes to Washington. What a, what a trash and burn season. I mean, when your head coach doesn't know that you could be eliminated based on the outcome of another game, that's a problem. Ron Rivera admitted that last week on the dais following Washington's loss to Cleveland. If you didn't 
sometimes it's okay to play dumb. Coach, what are you going to do at the quarterback spot next week if Green Bay beats Minnesota and you're eliminated, which is exactly what happened? And his response was, we could be eliminated today? This was after your loss to a bad Cleveland team at home in a game you needed. And that is how a veteran NFL head coach who took a team to a Super Bowl answered a question. I thought it was a joke when I watched it. How in God's name do you allow that to exist? And then I remembered it's the Washington Redskins slash football team slash commanders franchise. And they've got the dumbest ownership group in the history of pro sports. Then it all made sense. Rivera, Commanders, remain a disaster. Dallas wins. And it's important for Dallas. Dallas gets the number one seed with the win that I think they'll get over the Commanders. A Giants win over the Eagles. And a 49ers loss or tie to the Cardinals. A reach? Yes. Impossible? No. Is it also out of the question that Dallas completely craps it and loses on the road to Washington? No. Would that make me smile? Yes. Do I think it's going to happen? No. I think the Cowboys win. Chargers go to Denver, who's been the laughing stock of the league the entire year. I like the Chargers. This has been an interesting season in the AFC. Um, and this Charger team has been up and down. But I think they're good at the right time. Justin Herbert's playing better. Short up the defense. Yeah, I think they. this might be a team. This will definitely be a team that nobody wants to see. You get final tune-up before the postseason starts where the Chargers are going back. They clinched the postseason berth uh, two weeks ago with the win over the lowly Colts. I like them in some cleanup duty here on the road week 18. I think they take down Denver and just put a bad Broncos season to sleep. Rams go to Seattle. Seattle needs the game. I think Seattle gets the win at home. This is a, uh, an L.A. team that really has no mojo. They've been eliminated a couple of weeks. Baker Mayfield not really playing all that well at the QB position in relief of Stafford. Um, Seattle clinches the playoffs with a win. And a Packers loss or tie against the Lions. Or if they were to lose, lose, you're gone. So you need a win and a Packers loss and tie. Or they can tie versus the Rams crazier things have happened and the Lions Packers would need to tie and a commander's loss or tie to the Cowboys so if Seattle loses this screw that basically is what it means you win and Green Bay somehow loses or ties versus the Lions which isn't out of the question you're in you got the Giants going to Philly Sunday 425 you're the Giants don't get anybody hurt Play this smart. You want to get your starters some run? Great. I know you want to beat the Eagles. I get it. Be messing around here. Uh, they're minus 14 for a reason, the Eagles. They need the game. They lock up the number one seed with a win over the Giants. Unless the Cowboys and Niners both tie or lose. I think the Giants find a way with Tyrod Taylor, who's among the best backup quarterbacks in the league. but I like the Eagles to win the game outright. Then you get the big Sunday night, and Detroit goes to Green Bay. I can't wait to watch this game. Detroit's been the best story of the league this year. But I like Green Bay. 
Green Bay gets the W, here's what happens. They're in. It's that simple. That's the scenario to lock up the seventh seed for Green Bay. You win, you need no help. Green Bay wins, they are in. And that's how this goes. I mean, it's one of those weeks. Add in the fact that there's been all the changing of schedules. I don't want to call it chaos because DeMar Hamlin's uh, well-being was was of utmost importance. But because of these different scenarios, you have a lot of this, this, this anarchy going on. And it makes it for fun football. Now, I know if you're a Bengals fan, you're probably sitting on pins and needles. But it's going to be an interesting week 18, and it starts today. There's a lot of great games. Really looking forward to watching it. And we actually have a caller on the line. Someone else, we got to add the uh, the, na- the names like Joe Jett to the profile. Who do we have here uh, uh, this morning? At least I think we have a caller on the line. All right, we'll get back to that momentarily. So anyway, across the league, uh, uh, we got our caller? Yeah, hello. Yeah, who's this? Yeah, it's Mike. How you doing? Hey, Mike, what's going on? How's it going? Okay, um, I'm still in the state of shock with the Giants clinching a playoff spot, but uh, I think I think if I if I were to coach, I wouldn't play Saquon and I wouldn't play Jones. I know it's the Eagles, but I don't want to take a chance on either one getting hurt. Even without them, they could make it make it a competitive game, and if the Eagles win, they win. That's my opinion. I mean, I think you would comfortably say you'd expect Philadelphia to win the football game, which isn't the be-all, end-all for the Giants because they're going to the playoffs. But right. I, like you and, and and most football fans watching this game, um, Jalen Hurts is listed as questionable. I mean, if you're Philly and he can play, he's got to go. I mean, especially in a, in, a, in a 17 field now with the bye week, for Philadelphia to potentially have the number one seed, Home field advantage is great, but the buy is going to be more useful to them because it gives Jalen Hurts another week to heal. But That's it's going to true. be hard to get there without him because I don't know how much they they really trust Minshew because he makes some questionable throws. But on the other side of things for the Giants, you've got to be very careful with Daniel Jones, who loves to hit people. And he's got to be told this weekend that you, when you're in there, if you're in there, you cannot do that. Yeah, that's why I wouldn't play him. I know he's gutsy, but uh, you you can't take a chance on him getting hurt. And I, you know, it might be one of those situations where you see as a playoff team, and I and I would expect a lot of this to happen tomorrow, where things happen, injuries do happen, and if Daniel Jones go down, goes down, you know, we saw what one drive of Tyrod Taylor a couple of weeks ago in the dreadful performance against the Eagles when most of the Giants team was hurt. Yes. See what you have here in case, God forbid, you got to go to him. Because Giant fans know what it means to have a legitimately good backup after having to deal with Mike Glenn in the last couple of years. That's true. Tyra Teller is not that bad. Season's not over if you had to go to him, but you could really avoid those problems by just keeping Jones on the sidelines, Saquon Barkley included. I know. If they play Jones and he gets hurt, I'll pass out. <laughs> I, I think most of the Giants will. I mean, sure. you've got a couple. Lane Johnson, the tackle for for the Eagles, is going to be out of this game, uh, and then Jalen Hurts is out. The Giants' injury report still being updated. We'll probably get more of a look at that now that the the final injury report comes out ninety minutes before kickoff of each game. So That's you're looking at the three o'clock window tomorrow to get that final report. Right. 
Okay. All right, Mike, thank you for the call. Yeah, and, and listen, I, I, I agree with Mike, um, and, as, as most Giant fans probably would. You, these are the games where you want to be careful. Um, how much Jones will play, if at all. Um, Brian Dable is going to rest certain players. Aziz Ojolari and Leonard Williams are out. Uh, we knew that earlier in the week. Ojolari dealing with the ankle, Williams with the neck. Um, I wouldn't expect to see Adoree Jackson still dealing with the knee injury. Hasn't been ruled out. Last I checked, he, um, he's got the knee injury. And you're starting center John Feliciano. Um, was a limited participant. Xavier McKinney's going to be a go. I mean, you would have to think Jones and Barkley, they're going to get rest. Will it be the whole game? I don't know but they're going to have to be careful there. I would think that they would be extra cautious with Barkley, given his history and given the fact that running backs take a beating. Now, the nice thing, Daniel Jones is a mobile quarterback. That helps you. You know, sometimes you see him take off. You might hold your breath. Going to the sideline last week against the Colts when he gets gets knocked out of bounds, you hold your breath. But I think for the most part, you're okay with the way Jones has been protected. And the Giants offensive line most season has been, has been pretty good. Certainly been an improvement. But you got to keep these guys healthy and ready to roll for wherever the Giants might be going next week, be it Saturday or Sunday for the first round um, of the NFC postseason. So we'll see. We'll have more uh, a clearer picture tomorrow when the pregame shows begin and then leading up to the Giants 425 game um, against the Philadelphia Eagles. So just as a recap this week, I like Kansas City going to Vegas, Tennessee on the road. I like Jacksonville. So Jacksonville wins the AFC South, in my opinion. They go to the postseason. Great coaching job uh, by Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence. Quarterback play continues into the playoffs. I like Cincinnati over Baltimore. The Saints in a meaningless game over Carolina. Pittsburgh to take care of Cleveland and then see what happens for Pittsburgh. Houston takes down the Colts on the road. Minnesota goes to Chicago and takes down them. Buffalo at home over the Patriots. Jets over Miami in a battle of teams that have lost five in a row. Tampa Bay going to Atlanta. Give me Atlanta. Tampa's already locked up a postseason berth and a division title. Arizona goes to San Francisco. Give me the Niners. Dallas in Washington, close, but I like Dallas on the road. I like the Chargers over the Broncos. And then the three home teams. I like Seattle over the Rams, Philly over the Giants, and Green Bay over Detroit in your Monday night contest. Um, Total score there, 50. Give me Rodgers at home. I know Detroit's had a good season, but this would be one hell of a story if Aaron Rodgers is able to rebound from the season he's had in Green Bay's had to get them to the playoffs. What a story that would be. So, And then you get through the week in in uh, the NFL, and you go to Monday night. And what do you have Monday night? The College Football National Championship. I mean, this is what it's all about when you're a college football fan. Number one, Georgia looking for two in a row against a really good TCU team who won a battle, a physical, high-scoring affair against Michigan in the college football semifinals. You watched those games last week. It was some of the best college football we've seen in a long time. That's what you look forward to when you get 
to the college football po- uh, postseason. These bowl games have been great. The Gator Bowl between Notre Dame and South Carolina was a great game. Tennessee hammering Georgia to kickstart the New Year's Six games. I think the entire bowl season has been spectacular. I thought the Final Four, Georgia's comeback against Ohio State was legendary. Ending with a missed Ohio State field goal to potentially send the Buckeyes to the national championship at the stroke of midnight to ring in 2023. That's poetic. And then TCU jumping out ahead of Michigan to start the day. Michigan coming back. They go back and forth, back and forth. And then TCU's defense in Sonny Dykes' first year as head coach. What a job this guy has done. And those of you who have been following me on on the platforms this year know how I feel about Sonny Dykes. What a job this guy has done. Is it enough for me to pick TCU to beat Georgia? No. I think at 13 and a half, I'd like TCU to cover, though. Matter of fact, I laid it already. Might that change going into Monday? Sure. But if Georgia gets sloppy and they're messing around like they did with Ohio State against the Horned Frogs, I can see a situation where they get picked off and TCU is hoisting the banner in the trophy when it's all said and done. As of now, 8 p.m. ESPN, when it's all said and done Monday night, I think Georgia backs it up. Kirby and company get two straight. I think it's a close game. I think it's going to be a great game. And I can't wait to watch. Before we get out of here, we had some other big news in the transfer portal. You all know by now how I feel about the combination of this transfer portal meeting NIL. I think it's a disaster. I think it's out of control. And I think it's taking away from the purity of of college sports as we know it. Not just football. Football's in the limelight as the season continues. College basketball going on as well right now. And Bill Self has spoken out against a lot of the problems relating to the combination. This imperfect storm, if you will, of NIL and transfer portal. I have no problem with kids earning money. But you shouldn't be going, as Marcus Freeman said a couple of weeks ago, and and Lane Kiffin has spoken about, and some other coaches, Nick Saban, uh, Dabo Swinney. You really shouldn't be picking a program for how much money they put in your pocket. Because, oh, by the way, you're going to school for free. But they could do a better job at letting these kids earn money. Singularly in the transfer portal, we've had a lot of movement. Cade McNamara leaving Michigan to go to Iowa. That's a big deal. That's a great fit. It finally gives Iowa a quarterback with legitimacy. Iowa's been an offense away from the playoff for the last couple of years when they got ranked number two in the country. They got one of the best coaches in America. Year in and year out, has got nothing to show for because the offense stinks. Now, Iowa's got its quarterback, we think. Notre Dame might also have his quarterback. Earlier in the week, ACC's all-time leading passer, Sam Hartman. His final year of eligibility announcing he's transferring to Notre Dame for his final year of college football. What does that mean for Notre Dame? You know, I saw a ridiculous thing online that somebody posted in in his years at Wake Forest, the win-loss record for Wake Forest while Sam Hartman was there. All this kid did last year was toss 38 touchdowns and and 3,000-plus yards. Monster season again. You know what held Wake Forest back, folks? Even though they've had a nice run the last couple years, 10, 11 wins. Eight-win season here. Competitive. 
you think of Wake Forest being a basketball school. Well, it's because of Sam Hartman's play why they've become notable in football, perennial top 25. I watched about six Wake Forest games from start to finish this year, including the Clemson game where they gave up plus 50 points in a loss. Clemson wins the game. And Clemson's offense wasn't this vaunted machine this year, mind you. And Wake Forest's defense had a tough time with it. That same Clemson goes to South Bend and puts up 14 in a three-touchdown loss. So it's really unfair to say Sam Hartman isn't that good when you take his win-loss record at Wake Forest with a bad defense. Take Hartman's stats and put him on Notre Dame with weaponry and a loaded defense. You're looking at significant upgrades for both parties here. Now, in my opinion, Marcus Freeman's got to do everything in his power to make sure Tyler Buckner goes nowhere after the way that kid played in the ballgame. I know he had the three picks. Didn't have a senior year in college due to the COVID nonsense. Came back, played through COVID when you couldn't have fans. Didn't play all that much. And then becomes a full-time starter and gets hurt. So you don't play that much football. It's hard to hammer a kid who then, oh, by the way, accounts for five touchdowns in a bowl game after being out for two-plus months. Two pick sixes aside, I thought Tyler Buckner looked pretty good. Now, if you, you find a way to keep him, and I think he will, that's a nice bridge after Hartman leaves with Kenny Minchie and C.J. Carr, a couple of kids coming in. Now you've got your quarterback battle. Hartman comes in. You could battle it out all you want, and Buckner would play with him there. Hartman's the guy. And with the, the revamping Notre Dame continues to do each and every year with their O-line, on the outside with recruiting, now with a head coach again, and I go back to saying about caring about the kids, a guy who these kids want to play for, Sam Hartman makes Notre Dame a legitimate college football playoff contender, even before the expansion. This is big deal for, for Notre Dame. This is as big of a move. But the Jack Cohn, the Jack Cohn get was big, and Cohn played well. But now you'll get to see really what it's like with a legitimized quarterback there, Tommy Reese, not with the noose around his neck from Brian Kelly, how he can call an offense with the quarterback who fills the skill set that he wants to run. And you got Buckner there as well. That's a big deal. With a good running game and growing wide receivers, Irish are coming, and it's going to be great. With that, I'm going to wrap up. What I'm looking forward to this weekend, I'm sure you figured it out by now, Monster Week 18 in the NFL. Tennessee, Jacksonville tonight, 8-15. The winner takes the AFC South. Giants-Eagles tomorrow, 425. Eagles going for number one in the NFC. Patriots-Bills, Sunday at 1. Pats winning in. Buffalo still playing for the top seed in the AFC. Dolphins need the game over the Jets on Sunday. They got a win and get a Patriots loss. Pittsburgh needs a win and a lot of help. And then you get Lions-Packers Sunday night. I said Monday moments ago. I apologize. I was wrong. I confused it with the college football championship. Lions-Packers is the Sunday night game. Green Bay wins. They're in. It's as simple as that. The Lions need win and some help. And then you got Monday night. Number one Georgia, number three TCU for all the marbles. 8 p.m. on ESPN, the college football national championship game. It's going to be a good one. I like Georgia close. TCU covers for those of you doing that game. But I like Georgia close. If Georgia messes around, no. Don't be surprised. If Sonny Dykes and company come away with the national championship. Want to thank everybody once again for tuning in, calling in Joe Jett, Mike calling in, 
every Saturday, 11 a.m., live on Podbean, and then everything posts to Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio a little while after. You can subscribe to Sports Today with Peter J on all of those platforms, specifically Podbean and Spotify. You get the entire Saturday show schedule, what's on tap, links to my social media, at PeterJM on Twitter, by the way, and all the information you need, all the old shows post as well, right on Podbean, Spotify, iHeart, and TuneIn Radio. With that said, enjoy today, tomorrow, Week 18 of the National Football League, and enjoy Monday night's 2023 College Football National Championship between number one Georgia and number three TCU. I will talk to all of you next Saturday, live at 11 a.m. right here on Sports Today with Peter J. Sports Today with Peter J.